0: What if, what if you were the one to come up with the rescue plan and restore life back to the way things were? What if God all of a sudden took you aside and in a very clear way said, okay, I'm leaving it up to you. I'll give you access to people, to media, whatever you want. Think about restoring Things back to the perfect creation that I had it. How would you do it? Could you find a way to hit the reset button? Is there a reset button? Even if there were a reset button, would that work? I don't think it would. Because our hearts would still be bent towards selfishness and sin, and we'd be right back where we were. We'd still do things our own way, thinking we're smarter than God, and we'd still be stuck in the mire of sin. You couldn't just hit the reset button. What could you do? Well, you'd have to win people over. You'd have to win hearts over. You have to gather as many people as possible. You need a high level of commitment, a high level of buy-in from the team around you that's going to help implement this rescue strategy. You need a high level of trust, cooperation. You need to influence every sector of life, Family life, corporate life, government structures. Luckily, God doesn't leave it up to us. But he has a strategy in mind. He has a very intentional strategy. God kicks off his strategy in what seems like, from a human vantage point, both incredibly wise and also incredibly foolish. Watch this. God decides to use the family as his main source of implementing his rescue plan. This is incredibly wise. If you think about it, families have the potential to contain more unity and commitment and trust than any corporation or any government structure. A family of two can multiply incredibly fast. And had I asked the permission of a few families in our church, I could sort of demonstrate it with a family line, but I didn't. But let's say you have a a couple, just two, a husband and a wife, and and they have six, seven, eight kids. And those eight kids have five kids. Let's say eight kids have five kids. That's 40 kids plus the original eight kids, 48 kids plus the two parents, that's 50. You go from two to 50 in a generation. Another generation, you go 50 to 100, then to 300. And in short order, a family becomes a tribe, then several tribes. It starts to go viral, it becomes a nation. A family is an incredible way to pass down values. It's an incredible way to pass down stories of faith and a worldview. God was quite wise in doing this. Yet, how can one decision seem so wise and another seem so incredibly foolish? If God's gonna kick off his rescue plan through a family, why in the world does he pick a 75-year-old man and a, a, a woman who has never been able to have kids before? I'm, it's, did you get that? All right, he's going to use families as a strategy. He picks a couple who are beyond childbearing days, and even if they were in childbearing days, the wife was barren. Why does God do that? Because he's God. And because he's God, nothing is impossible. In fact, the more impossible the circumstances, the better for God. One thing is clear about living in faith. When you're living in faith, God will brush you up against the impossible So that when he comes through, when he goes to work, he's glorified and your faith in him becomes unshakable because you've seen him do the impossible. Look at Romans 4 with me for a moment. Therefore, the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all of Abraham's Offspring, that's supposed to say offspring. I put those dot, dot, dots a little too early. Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith. Belief in the promise of God leads to active faith. God's story was written this way for a reason. God purposely writes history this way. It's his story for his creation. And our story, your story and my story, is grafted into this greater story. He calls us into his plan and wants us to be sort of like EMTs, so to speak, in his restoration plan, helping to bring things back to the way they're supposed to be. He redeems us. We become part of his plan, part of his team, and we're to help in the redeeming, restoring process. But be warned, a main thread in God's rescue plan and God's redemptive history is God's pairing faith with impossible circumstances. This is the case with Abraham and Sarah. See, if we can do it on our own strength, and it's not faith, but only a faith counterfeit known as hard work. In fact, much of the Bible is filled with stories of how God does awesome things things when people face impossible circumstances Abraham Moses Gideon Joshua David Mary Peter Paul in every book and in many of ch- many of the chapters in every book there's a record of God using ordinary people to do impossible things it's part of God's storyline the pairing of faith and impossible circumstances are one of the major threads to God's rescue plan. Another major thread to, his, to the rescue plan is the principle of leaving and going. Let's take a look at Genesis 2.1. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. God kicks off his rescue plan by sending Abram and Sarai out. And God knows what he's asking them to leave. He actually lists it right there. Look at these three things listed. Leave your country. Some of you might know, because you've emigrated from somewhere to the United States, what that's like. Leave your country your familiar setting, the place where you don't need a GPS because you know all the roads, you know all the coffee shops, the dentists, the banks. Leave your country. Leave your people. Your people, those who you understand. You know why they do the crazy things they do. You understand them. And more importantly, they understand you. Leave them. Leave your country. Leave your people. And then the most difficult... Leave your father's household. Leave your support system. Leave the people who care for you and look out for you. Leave all those things and go. That's how God kicks off the rescue mission. What makes matters worse is that God is specific about the leaving, but He's not specific about the going. He doesn't say, go to the sea go to Egypt or go to any specific location he just says go it's like god saying all right i want you to give up everything and leave and go and when you when you get there i'll tell you to stop just like faith in impossible odds leaving and going are threads of his rescue plan threads of redemptive history threads of his ongoing story that we are part of it's also seen everywhere in the bible In some way or another, God calls most every faithful figure in the Bible to leave their comfort zone and follow him into uncharted water. It's another way God establishes his his trust and displays his power. In a way, the faith and possible circumstances pairing and the leave and go principle are God's way of saying, hey, trust me. You didn't trust me in the garden. Trust me now. Do things my way, and I'll bless the socks off you. Notice that in our, in our scripture reading, the blessings, they, they, really, they really make the difficulties and the suffering and the sacrifice that, that leaving and going implies pale in comparison. God says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. That's not a bad trade-off. God says leave and go, but he doesn't say you're on your own. In fact, he says leave and go, and I will be with you, and I will bless you. And not only will I bless you, but you will become a blessing to people around you. That's the rescue plan in a nutshell. I've got to tell you, once you're in the habit of doing these things, once you're in the habit of trudging out in faith out onto that limb that God's asking you to go out on, and then you see God in operation, it becomes addictive. Because when you leave your com- comfort zone, you'll find that the only thing you can do is trust God more. And then you begin to experience God more and see more of his plan and power at work in your life. That is incredibly meaningful, incredibly satisfying. Leave and go. It's funny because when we started off in the garden last week, it was a perfect place, and Adam and Eve intentionally, defiantly do their own thing. And really, as a form of protection, God says, get out, leave, go. And now, to kick off the rescue plan, he says, I want you to leave and go, but I will be with you, and I will bless you. And from this garden, we are on a steady pace, if we're following God's lead, of leaving and going, leaving and going, leaving and going, until we wind up in Revelation... In the garden that's in a city, when we can finally rest in his peace, no longer having to leave and go because he is with us. We are his people, he is our God, and we are forever united with him back in perfect creation. But until then, that's his storyline, that's his plot, that's his calling to all of us leave and go. God is still working out his rescue plan. He's continually enlisting individuals and families who will follow him and join him in this great restoration program of all creation. But don't worry. God isn't leaving it completely in our hands. Not at all. We'd be right back in square one if he did. No, God confirms His rescue plan and guarantees the success of his rescue plan by entering into it. God puts boots on the ground himself. You see, God just doesn't say, Do what I'm telling you to do. He doesn't call us to leave our comfort zones, open our open up ourselves to risk and ridicule, to trudge out on out there on the limb of faith without first doing it himself. God calls us to do what he did. In Philippians 2, we see an incredible picture of Jesus' leaving and going. I'm just going to read that. Listen to the words of Philippians 2. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing. Nothing taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to God, obedient to death, even death on on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Man, that is picture perfect of leaving and going and being blessed to be a blessing. Jesus God in human flesh did two incredible things for us in regards to the rescue mission. First, he shows us God. He shows He shows us in an amazing display God's grace and love and mercy and forgiveness. He redefined God's truth that had been twisted over the centuries by illegalistic interpreters. In his teaching and in his everyday interactions, Jesus brought God near to everyone, regardless of status, of gender, of religion. The second incredible thing that Jesus did was to unite us with God through the forgiveness he offered by becoming the once-and-for-all sacrifice for the sins of the human race, Jesus washes us clean from our corrupt state. He doesn't just forgive us, but he breaks the chains of sin so that we don't have to be a slave to sin any longer. Jesus not only forgives our sins and breaks sin's bondage, but he gives us God's presence allows us to access God's Spirit, to empower us to live the life, live our lives the way it was intended to be lived. Jesus embodies the leave and go, blessed to be a blessing principle, when he entered into the human condition. Jesus embodies the faith in possible circumstances, when he, the creator, served and suffered for the creation even to the point of death. But death couldn't hold him down. He rose again, and rising again, he raised the power and success of the rescue mission with it. Jesus now calls us to this way of life, to this rescue plan. He sets us on a journey of leaving our comfort zone, our familiarity, our safety net, to join him in this amazing rescue mission. God sets up the restoration of this creation, the original mission impossible that will not fail because God, with God, everything is possible. Hebrews 11, 1 and 2 says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Are you sure of what you hope for? Are you certain of what you don't see? Where is the evidence of that in your life? What can you point to to say, hey, I have active faith? I'm going to challenge you a little bit by saying going to church is not an expression of active faith. It's it's an expression of love, it's an expression of devotion, it's an expression of worship, but it doesn't take faith to go to church. I'm going to get some emails for that one. But don't confuse belief, don't confuse intellectual agreement with active faith. If you start with uh, Hebrews 11 and read through the rest of Hebrews, the author will show you what active faith is. It's a trust in the face of persecution, it's a trust when you're called to do something difficult. It's a trust when the odds seem impossible, seem, the circumstances seem impossible. We are great at believing, but we're very, very reluctant in exercising faith. Faith, belief in action is what God is calling us to. It's what he called Abraham to. It's the main thrust of the rescue plan. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, And without faith, it's impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. God is calling us to an active faith where we Join him in the rescue mission. We study the rescue plan and we put it into practice where we live. God's story has become our story. What role are we going to play? Are we going to join up with him and in faith do the impossible? In faith leave our comfort zone and go? It's funny that Genesis 12 is an awful lot like Matthew 28 where Jesus gives us the Great Commission. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me, so go. Leave your comfort zone and go to the place I am showing you. What does that mean for us? Well, let's think about it in a a, um, wide angle, and then we'll get more and more focused We can join God's rescue plan globally. We can act globally. We can sponsor a child in another country. We can give to organizations that help relieve poverty and suffering worldwide. We can pray for missionaries. We can help send um, folks in our own church out. We can be part of a global witness. Nationally. We can support national causes. National organizations. We can redesign our consumer habits so as not to contribute more to pollution and consumption problems. We can support national causes that align with God's plan, like just, you know, things that we think may just fall in the secular arena. Christians should be in the forefront. Just, let's take something very common like the, the, uh, the fight to find a cure for breast cancer. Man, Christians should be at the forefront of leading that fight because we know that sin and death and the curse will not have the last say, but Christ will have the last say. And Revelation 21.5 says, Behold, I am making currently all things new. Christians should be on the forefront globally, nationally, locally. Locally, look for opportunities through faith church or through your own spheres of influence to live out the rescue plan. But don't stop there. Go deeper, personally. Take the rescue plan into your living room and how you interact with your family and your friends, how, do you, how you ask for forgiveness when you wrong them, How do you forgive when you are wronged? How do you repair burned bridges? Take the rescue plan to your living room. Take your rescue plan to the factory floor, the sales floor, or the cubicle when you interact with your boss and your colleagues and your customers. God is blessing you. And he's calling you to leave your comfort zone and go. And as you go, he will bless you and you will be a blessing to the ends of the earth.